so this morning I want to share a word with you um, that I feel very strongly about. And uh, I believe it's a word for the hour and where we're at. We are navigating in uncharted waters. I don't know if you understand, but uncharted waters are waters no one's been before. The church is entering into a season we've not been before because as God has established time, it, it moves from a beginning towards a conclusion. And so we're shifting into a new period for the church. And if we're heading towards the end times, it is going to be uncharted waters because the church has got to move into a distinction apart from the world and its culture around it. And uh, so God is calling us to that. How many of you know that the world that you were born into does not exist anymore? Right? It doesn't. You don't get busy signals on phones. You can't call landlines. There's no more VCRs, a few CDs sticking around. You used to have to develop film, so you took care on how many pictures you took. Now we're getting pictures of your desserts and food you eat. We used to carry paper maps in our cars. We had fax machines. People used to write cursive writing. They don't even teach that in school anymore. My biggest disappointment was when they took out card catalogs from libraries. I was lost. Calculators, beepers, pagers, magazines, newspapers, hard drives are now all on devices. Hardly even need a car key anymore. So, I mean, things are changing. The world you grew up with is distinctly different, and it happens even year by year by year. Amen? And so if we're trying to keep the church in its positioning from five years ago, ten years ago, we are insufficient to what's happening around us. And many of us don't even realize that we're being brainwashed and controlled by our devices. Whatever you're looking up, we had a, a Wednesday night, we had a great uh, discussion on, on what is happening with our mobile devices and how the algorithms and everything within it is designed to capture you. So what your interest is, what you discuss during the day is now being processed and causing you to be chained to this thing, controlled, managed. How many of you know that for the believer, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing that? This thing is interfering. It's a false spirit connecting you to the world. Now, you need to learn how to control it. I'm not telling you to throw it out, but never let it override the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? Researchers call it brain drain. The diminishing of mental skills is happening to every one of us. We don't realize it. Learning, logical reasoning, abstract thought, problem solving, and creativity are being substituted by your mobile device. We're no longer using our mind, we're using a secondary mind that has been given to us. Many of our young people don't know how to socially interact because all their interaction takes place through this. We don't communicate to each other verbally anymore. If we could, we'd probably prefer to text Jesus instead of pray to him. It'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? The fact that most of us now habitually keep our phones near us and in sight 
magnifies the mental toll on us. And so we're trying to adapt to a tool that the world's given us, neglecting the spirit that God's given us. We don't pray about dates, we put them in our phone. We don't consider the information we have, even though we're being inundated with it, it begins to back up what we thought according to our carnal mind instead of what God's telling us. There is a global shift coming to the world. There's a one world mentality that is in place. It is coming, it is here, but with a global shift, how many of you know that there is a divine shift? None of this is taking God by surprise. God is prepared, and he wants his church to be ahead of the game. We are to be a prophetic people. We are to be like the sons of Issachar, to discern the times and know what should be done. But we tend to follow the train instead of leading it. Be careful what you're listening to. I say this as your pastor. As I reviewed my messages over the last two years, uh, our staff every Tuesday, every Friday, we're concerned about what's being done in the world, in our community, in our church. We've been praying and seeking the voice of the Lord to go through the shifting transition that's been globally happening. In August of 2019, I shared a word called the flu, coming flu pandemic where the, the words fear, lying, and unrighteousness are going to creep over the world as an epidemic. We call it COVID, but more than COVID, more than some kind of virus, this is happening at a different level. Fear like never before. Lying spirits like never before unleashed. And unrighteousness is becoming the norm of the day. And we've got to watch it. I've talked to you about deception. I've spoken about deceiving spirits that are coming over the people, but also the church. I've talked about being vexed. Maybe you can remember some of these. I would encourage you to go back to listen. I don't make this stuff up. I don't download it from the internet. I'm trying to get the heart of Jesus for us as a people. We're vexed as Lot was vexed. By compromising with the world so much so that even his entire family could not escape. I told you that judgment's coming. We're all looking for judgment to drain the swamp. We're looking for judgment to come against unrighteousness. But I've reminded you, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Everybody praying for righteousness, you better start in your own house. Because God is bringing it. But first, to the church. We can't remain in the position we're in. I shared with you the foundation series of how we have got to restore the foundations that are failing. Many of us are fighting for the foundations of this nation, but while we're ignoring the foundations of our faith. Last of all, we're taking a posture. We're standing, standing to proclaim the word of God. And how are we doing this? We need to understand and navigate these uncharted waters. I believe the church is entering into a phase that's different than before. Though the tools, though the work is the same, we're in a different culture. We're moving to a different time. We've got to comprehend this. 
Now I'm making this declaration. The church that you attended five years ago has not maintained its relevance in our culture. I'm telling you this, the contemporary Christian church is dead. Has no impact in our culture. For all of us trying to be relevant to the hip and to our culture to make a a dent, we're not doing it. Because we can't keep up with the technology that they have. But we've got something supra-technological of technology. We've got something that is superior to it. It is the technology of heaven. It is the Spirit of God. So we must now build the eschatological church that we know nothing about. Fancy theological term. Eschatological means that which is of the future, that which is of the end times. The church is moving into its last and final glorious hour. And we have to build that church through the kingdom of God, through the power of the Spirit, by which none of us know anything about it. We want a revival that we felt like 10 years ago. Won't work. We want to feel the songs and the hymns that we knew yesterday. Won't work. We want a church that we liked before COVID. Won't work. We're charting into a church that we know nothing about. Therefore, be on your guard, be aware, listen. That's what the Spirit's saying to us. The divine shifts have got to come. Consider these divine shifts that have happened, charting waters that they didn't know what to do. It started in the garden, didn't it? Adam and Eve had sinned. They didn't know where to go from here. God provided them clothing and God provided a sacrifice to cover them. And now they entered into a world that was full of sin. And they knew not how to navigate it. And so they had to learn how to bring the presence of God into their existence from what was a garden experience to now a fallen world. We see Noah coming into a new eschatological shift of a world that had then been destroyed by the waters because of its filth and sin. And he was coming into a new world he knew nothing about, only that God was with him. And in each of these things with Adam and Eve, we see Cain. With Noah, we see Ham and Cain and you see sin following after. We've got to know how to walk into this new world. We saw Abraham, a patriarch, leave his father's house and not bring anything from his father into a new land and come into a promised land that God was going to give him and a child that he couldn't even figure out how is that going to happen. It's a shift Charting waters you know nothing about, but by faith you must walk in them. Under the time of Moses, when Israel was brought out of Egypt, now a nation, no longer patriarchs and family leaders, but now nations, walking back into a promised land, becoming the presence of God in the earth, putting a tabernacle, an abiding presence of God, becoming that light to the world, and they knew nothing about it. They didn't know how to operate. They had to stay close to the revealed Word of God to know what to do. We can't 
go on what our statistics say and what our demographics say and what will please the people today. How about we please God in how we worship together? This is uncharted. This is prophetic. This is something beyond our reasoning and knowledge. Stop trying to find your comfortable place. We go on and uh, all of a sudden God does something so brand new in David's reign. He brings the tabernacle into a Davidic tabernacle where once hidden behind a veil, he brings it out into the open. This is a a shift in uh, Israel's history of relating to God. It was a whole new experience. They didn't know what to do with it. It was prophetic of what Christ was going to do. Then Jesus comes and he, he changes cataclysmically a change to how man relates to God from the temple and the priesthood to Christ being the sacrifice, the priest, and the temple. And we are his priests and become living sacrifices for him. Now, all people are called to repentance and salvation. Israel, if they want to be saved, has to come through Christ and shift from their sacrificial system. They're trying to navigate uncharted waters, and the church is trying to figure out how are we going to do this on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit pours out and dramatically changes mankind forever. Shifting into two kingdoms now, a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. And these uncharted waters, the church doesn't know what to do with. And they begin preaching and they see Gentiles being saved and they can't figure that one out. They've got to figure out that this thing's going to reach to all the world as Jesus said and told them. So they convene in Jerusalem and say, okay, we must take this gospel to all the nations, to all the Gentiles. And then God does something dramatically. He brings persecution to Jerusalem. Because the church is stagnant, living off of their experience from 10, 15 years ago. Staying in Jerusalem. He brings judgment. He brings... uh, Uh, persecution so that they have to go out and a new model a divine shift takes place and the Antioch church develops and it becomes the center of Christian outreach so God is used to bringing divine shifting to his church and bringing it into new phases and into uncharted waters so that we would pay attention to what he's doing Now God is preparing his church for the last days. Do you think we need to be prepared for it? This is the last days. We are a church who's moving into a form that we've not known from the past. And so we've got to watch and we've got to be careful. And so we've got to navigate these shifts. What you're going to see is that all human governments are going to continue to align against the kingdom of God. We might be able to withhold them for a year, for two, maybe a term. We might be able to hold back, but it is a shift that is happening. The difference now is not about uh, governmental leadership. It's not about politics. 
It is about two kingdoms, a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. So all human government is shifting to a kingdom of darkness. Even Israel will make a pact with the Antichrist. That's how far this is going. Do you understand? The only opposition to this is the kingdom of light, the church. We will be forced out of our positioning in government and in other areas of the world. So we better shine brightly on one thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. That is our cry. That is our stand. That is our proclamation. Do we stop trying to influence our culture? No, not at all. But we shine for Jesus. We must stop calling people back to what was and call people into something that they've never known before. Jesus is not a cause. He's a causation. People are no longer loyal to groups, to systems, or even families. There's no loyalty to these structures any longer. What most people are now loyal to are causes. But Jesus is not a cause, church. He's a causation. He's not a religion. He's a relationship. He's not a philosophy. He's a person. He's the change agent for mankind. This isn't a cause we're fighting for. This is a name we're lifting up. So we're not fighting for the cause of Christianity at all. We're declaring Jesus is Lord. There's a major difference. Everybody has a cause. Have you noticed this? Everybody's moving into a cause. Everybody's got a special interest group. It is all the process of splintering the unity of people. And if we as a church pick our special causes, we're going to fail. We have no cause other than the revelation of Jesus Christ. Please understand that. That revelation is life-changing. Another problem is we all love conspiracies. It's an old trick, an ancient, ancient trick. It's called having secret knowledge. Tickles all of our ears. We all think there's a conspiracy behind this and a conspiracy behind that. And if you understood the conspiracy by this group and the conspiracy of that group, and we all get sucked into the secret knowledge and finding out, did we land on the moon? Is the earth flat? Is there this? Is there that? Will QAnon uh, succeed? Will we have this? Will we do that? All these conspiracies are tricks of secret knowledge. It started in the garden. Did God say... 
We don't need secret knowledge. We don't need a conspiracy. The devil has been conspiring against the kingdom of God from the beginning. But Jesus, who is the God of light and revelation, has clearly declared what news you need to hear, what information is most important. It is Christ crucified, risen, and ascended into heaven. It is Jesus Christ as Lord. Stop your conspiracy, people. Stop hunting it. We've got revelation clearer than anyone else. You've been awakened to its reality. It's a trick. All these causes and all these conspiracies is complete distraction to what we as a church must do. It's tearing the church apart. And so... If we're going to move forward in uncharted waters, we have to understand what we are becoming and the position we need to stand and proclaim. And I want to bring you three points. Number one, what is this church going to look like? It is going to look like Jesus. Hmm, who'd have thunk it? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says this, And he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what's uncharted. Because what we did with this portion of Scripture is we've made it specialized individual offices of a few. But this is in fact the DNA of Christ Himself, a prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That is the DNA of Christ. That is the body of Christ. So we are to be. The church we're moving into is that every body that meets together, every church is that representation of the apostolic, of the prophetic, of the evangelist, of the pastor, of the teacher. It's all of us together in the full stature of Christ. That's the end time church. It says, until we reach, we're entering into the until. You with me? We're moving into that new time when we are growing into maturity through the fivefold ministry that Christ has given us so that we look like Him, talk like Him, act like Him. Our stature is of Jesus and nothing else. We have a number of apostolic people in this congregation we have a number of prophetic people we have a number of evangelistic people a number of shepherding hearts and a number of teaching spirits all of you possess the dna of jesus if you are born again and part of that dna is you start looking like and acting like him in one of his fivefold and even uh, multiple fold expressions of who christ is we're going to begin calling that forth as a church. We're going to be emphasizing the fivefold. We've taught you about it before. We're going to teach you till we are operating it fully. So that we will go grow into this end time church into the full stature of who Jesus is and what he looks like. So we're going to have to call out what doesn't look like Jesus. Are you okay with that? Are you willing because the second point of this church that we're moving into is a discipleship church. 
We've said we've been discipling you, but we're going to crank that up too. We're going to move into the five-fold maturity of Jesus Christ, and we're going to disciple this church like never before. That means that you want to pursue Jesus. Now, you're going to learn from me as I follow Christ. You're going to learn from the pastors. You're going to learn from each other as each of you is sharing and discipling each other. But the one person we are all modeling ourselves after is Jesus Christ. Discipleship is not about a program or a book you use or the person who is discipling you. It's about Jesus. You must first become a disciple of Christ. Anybody else discipling you is aiding you in the formation of Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's what we're looking for. We don't need another church program. We don't need a new sound. We don't need a new this. We don't need a new that. We need to become what Christ has patterned eschatologically for this day and for this hour. We have to find the church that Christ wants in this hour. You understand what I'm saying? You might like Southern Gospel. You might like Black Gospel. You might like contemporary. I don't care what you like about music and this and that. That's not the issue. Enjoy that. Go for it. But there is a church that Christ is starting to mold and to shape in this day and in this hour, and we as a people have to walk in it. And so we're moving into discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all ethnic races and people. Baptize them, immerse them in the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we're going to people, we're going to be a people who observe the word of the Lord. Amen. And last of all, it's all about the blood. If you look in the book of Revelation, if you understand the last days church, there is something that repeats over and over. It's being washed in the blood. Washed in the blood. Revelation 7.14, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What John is referencing in chapter 7 is the enormous revival, if you want to use that word, uh, the, the, the enormous move of God during the tribulation period. That there are so many people being saved that it is beyond a number that man can number we all look at the tribulation as something to escape god calls it something to win the lost it's the last effort to win a world going to hell and so in this time you're going to see great revival with great persecution, great evil, but great redemption. And what is the agent that is going to bring people into a changed life and salvation? The blood of Jesus Christ. It has never changed. It has never stopped. We cannot stop preaching the blood of Christ. It began in the garden, it will end. The only way the church will be cleansed is that she cleanses her robes in the blood of the Lamb. That is the message. That's what we proclaim. 
Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives even unto death. These three things we do understand are how we're going to navigate in these last days. And as a church, we are moving into the fivefold, full stature of Jesus Christ, discipling each other in it, protected by the blood of the Lamb. This is how we sail in to the next number of years. I pray you will hold fast. I pray you'll pay attention. I pray that you'll listen, watch the testimony of your leaders. Be careful what you listen to. There are so many voices out there. I know y'all have your favorite prophets and your favorite speakers and your favorite teachers. But you don't know them. You know us. So we're giving you the words as best we can in full accountability to you. Please trust that. Let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give each of us a discerning mind and heart. That we would know the testimony of Jesus in what we listen to. We would be careful. We would know the love of Jesus for each other. And we would have a single focus and keep our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Your love for us, Jesus, is immeasurable. I pray that we would only have eyes for you. And that you take this church, this local body, this group of people together. Wash us in your blood. That on this corner of this block, we would be a beacon of light for all who are lost and broken, who are hungry who want to come out of the darkness and into the light. That we, we would put on the salve of your word for our blind eyes. We'd take off the robes and the garments of this 
culture and period and we would put on the white robes of righteousness. That we would light our candles as we await the coming of our bridegroom. That we would be prepared and ready. Despite what we must endure, we will be forever faithful to you. We devote our lives to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.